Hello, and welcome to Stalemates for another one of these oddball lockdown podcasts. Don't worry, the economy is failing and the government are forcing us out of our homes and into car showrooms. The end is in sight. Probably for quite a lot of people. I'm John Stalemates, and my colleague Joe will be along presently, if never pleasantly. This week's topic, rather counterintuitively, is happiness. What is it? Where can it be found? How much is it? And is there a no-quibble policy should I need to return it within a specified 28-day period? I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery, this one. But I bet my pal Joe has a few ideas on the subject. After this delightful introductory theme tune. Happiness is a dazzling abstract, the opposite of Alan Carr's laugh. Happiness is in the bottom of a glass, half a pint of flesh flying off your ass. Happiness is going to the dogs and picking a winner, getting spotted in a crowd, being told you look thinner. It's someone you don't know knowing your name. Perhaps not the cops, but the frisson's the same. Happiness is... hmm, Happiness is... Happiness is a cigar or a car or a cream. A beautiful chain-smoking, gas-choking, moisturised dream. But in a party-type scene, when put on the spot and asked, it's easier to opine that which it's not. Happiness is the absence of pain. On a fallow field, it's the abundance of rain. But only when you yourself are snugly indoors and that deluge delights as it relentlessly pours. It's the absence of want. The dearth of dilemma. A confrontation avoided with good social antenna. Happiness is... Happiness is... Look, happiness just is, okay? And I'd very much appreciate that you don't pigeonhole, interrogate. Otherwise, happiness has business elsewhere. Just beyond of your reach. Just out of your hair. So happiness is wherever it's not. And I'll quit well behind on that paradoxical thought. Hey, everybody. My happiness poem. What a great way to start a podcast on happiness. As you can probably tell by my happiness poem, I didn't feel a great deal of happiness whilst writing it, or indeed speaking it. Nor did I remotely get to the bottom of happiness in my happiness poem. That's because I find happiness elusive. Not in the sense that I'm permanently miserable, you understand. Just by way of analysis, I don't trust my own feelings on the matter or anybody else's for that matter. Lockdown, as it has for most of us, has given me time, too much time if you ask me, to contemplate stuff, including things that make me happy. On the whole, I don't have favourite things. I'm almost ashamed to say that. I do, however, have predilections. I do have tastes, broadly speaking. Ah, now you see, I know exactly how you're currently responding to that. Something along the lines of taste with those buckle shoes and crowded house DVDs. But, you see, the beauty of a monologue is that I'll just pretend you haven't said any of that and we can all move on. Okay. Now, that did make me happy. Where was I? 
Yes, there are, of course, a few unshakable, intrinsic loves. Everybody has them. Me, I love Roxy Music, 70s horror, portmanteaus in the main. My family, on the whole, and shoes with buckles. Not necessarily in that order, you understand? In fact, I must declare I love all kinds of shoes. Lovely, lovely, shoddy shoes. Hmm. But very often, I'm trapped in the moment. What's in front of me right now is usually what I'm loving or hating right now in that moment. I often feel time happens to someone like me as a hurtling train of endless, discreet carriages. By which, I mean, they're all separate carriages as opposed to carriages of ill repute. You know, porn carriages. Wink, wink. Don't even know what a porn carriage is. And this metaphorical train is a family train, damn it. And I'm a speed-addled, railroading hobo, manically leaping from one discreet carriage to the next. Not exactly certain of what I'm looking for or what I'll find, but I've taken all the speed, you see. So leap, I must. Before I come over all seasick Steve, which I understand goes on a lot in the railroading hobo community, I must declare that I have ADHD. Attention deficit whatsets. I have that thing. It's something I, not very usefully, found out about six months ago. When I confided to a close friend, they quipped it was like a camp best friend coming out as gay. The wag. One of the major considerations my belated diagnosis has brought to the fore is my topsy-turvy relationship with the notion of happiness and how it applies to moi, me, myself and I. I think it's something to do with the absence of worry the absence of troubling thought and rampant uh, dark preoccupation which accompanies such thought. That's why I'm sorry to say, or am I sorry to say? That's why I'll just say booze and drugs, sometimes music and very sometimes even sex. Remember sex? Will position me or somewhere adjacent to happiness. The sense of a wider creeping malaise though will always eventually invade the moment dousing it in dank murky disquiet but in moments quickly forgotten usually i experience intense little bursts of serotonin the trick there is to keep them going as long as possible without being too self-aware about it because the very act of observing it tends to collapse the fragile house of happy cards as does being completely unaware of it and therefore not building on it because I need to constantly add fresh kindling to my smouldering joy buzz. Otherwise it'll evaporate like mist in the morning sun or like so many poorly applied metaphors under the weight of so much badly thought out language. Basically, the happy chase for me is a quantum of clusterfuck. Which I understand was the working title of that Bond movie. <laughs> bada, bada, boom. We bit of a quantum mechanics slash James Bond joke there which remarkably fails on both levels which if you think about it is quite impressive but more of that and happiness anon for now over to you sweet johnny muggins happy talk keep talking happy talk talk about things you like to do you got to have a dream if you don't have a dream how you gonna have a dream come true? What makes me happy? Good question. Well, there's raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, of course, that's a given. But what are the specific things that wreath my ancient face with smiles? 
It's actually quite easy to do things that annoy you. And it's a bonding exercise too. I recently did one of those interminable lockdown lists that are symptomatic of the bustling me, me, me echo chamber we all live in now. The first was 10 things you hate that other people like. It was an easy list to complete and people piled on with their own kennels of pet peeves. As an experiment, I decided to do a list of 10 things I like that other people don't. It received about a tenth of the likes the previous post garnered, leading me to believe that A, no one is interested in other people enjoying stuff unless it's part of a consumer testing exercise, and B, I'm a pervert with an incredibly niche set of peccadillos. So what follows is a list of no possible interest to anyone but myself. You might want to skip ahead to Joe's bit. Here's 28 things that make me happy. I'm sure the number is significant as all hell. 1. Tony Allen's drums on Sebastian Tellier's La Ritornelle. Actually, everything on La Ritornelle. It's a song that you never want to finish, but when it does, it does so perfectly. Number two, practically any sentence that P.G. Woodhouse ever wrote. The man dips his nib in glee. Three, about 10% of my memories. Four, David Bowie singing the lines, I like that you're older than me. It makes me feel important and free. Does that make you laugh? Five, a moment on Brown Sea Island where you could hear nothing but the sighing of the trees and we held hands. Six, being able to walk, especially after a period of time when I haven't been able to walk. Seven, kindness, even if I'm only a third party witnessing it. The pure gold of unselfish kindness is humanity's greatest achievement and may ultimately save the world. Eight, this exchange with my mum yesterday. Me. I'm writing a new film. It's called either The Witch Bottle or Witch Bottle. But which is it? My mum. What? What does that even mean? M me. Well, in the olden days. My mum. A witch's egg? What? I've never heard of a witch's egg. No. Getting it. I said, which is it? Not, witch's egg. I've never heard of a witch's egg. No, it's witch's bottle or witch bottle. Not witch's egg. And then me realising that she's going to tell the entire family that I'm writing a film about a witch's egg. Number nine. Watching Batman on telly and lying on the floor with my feet in their grey school socks pressed up against the radiator. To complete this nirvana, I'm eating a packet of cheese and onion crisps. It is winter. I am seven. Number ten. My wedding day. Number eleven. Sitting in my office and staring out at the garden, seeing the relentless drama of birds' lives, and being aware that I have calming green walls all about me, with Polish movie posters framed on them, and the ability to listen to practically any piece of music that I choose, sitting here trying to make up art. You would have to be a monster with no sense of the value of anything not to be happy under those conditions. Twelve. Eating and drinking the tasting menu at Club Gascon in Smithfield on a number of occasions. Excellent company too. 13. Writing and recording music with friends on many occasions. But not all occasions. 
Dear God, no. 14. Reading 100 Years of Solitude, I read the last hundred or so pages in a single sitting and experienced a powerful head rush bordering on euphoria. I must have looked like Bob Hoskins in the back of the IRA taxi in the Long Good Friday, as all the pieces of that great whirling narrative fell precisely into place. I've never read it again. I don't think I could. 15. Every time I hear Little Star of Bethlehem by Can, I am thrilled by it. I've been listening to the song for 30 years, I think, and it never elicits any other response. I adore it. It doesn't seem to be anyone else's favourite Can song, which is both baffling and gratifying, as I am a snob, but to me its power and charm and groove and noise seem perfect, congruous and chocked full of joy. It might be my favourite song. 16. If Nina Simone's It Bees That Way Sometimes, or What Am I Going To Do by The Dovers Didn't Exist, or Yes Sir I Can Boogie by Baccarat. 17. Jean Deitch Drawings. 18. Sempe Drawings. 19. Udazo Drawings. 20. Paintings by Otto Dix, Richard Dad, Samuel Palmer, Paul Clay, Odilon Redon. My taste in art is very old-fashioned. Some of these paintings I have actually seen. Self-Portrait Laughing by Richard Gersel. Shivers. 21. All of Kate Bush's Ariel album. Even Bertie, perhaps especially Bertie, and the way she sings It's Just Great on an architect's dream. It's just great. 22. The guitar solo on Spain's Love at First Sight. Yeah, a guitar solo makes me happy. It's gorgeous. Fuck you. 23. Some incredibly rude things I couldn't possibly even mention. But my God. Yeah. Distracting. 24. Stodgy old British horror films full of slumming thesps, creaking sets, diaphanous gowns and implausibly orange blood. Cosy horror with battered postbellum faces and costumes by Dulcie Midwinter. 25. The way the sunlight catches Susan's eyes. Her huge smile. The way she persists in liking me. 26. Family gatherings in the distant past where we were all there and none of the terrible stuff had happened yet. We were all dressed in party shirts, drinking woo-woos and listening to space-age bachelor pad music. 27. A sharabank descending on London when my play was on in the West End and all of my friends, some of whom I hadn't seen for years, turning up to see it. My family were even there, even my mum, and she liked the play. She didn't even mind the swearing, and some of the language was choice. 28. The fact that I have been far happier than I thought I had been, and far more often. Doing this has been a useful exercise. I spent the morning grinding what remains of my molars because of yet more snubs from people I'm supposed to be working with. Fuck it. It's their loss. I have been happy, quite often. The immensities of darkness don't seem quite so immense, and the sliver of light surprisingly portly. I've been happy in the past, and I may even be happy again in the future. Brooding on happiness is a tonic. There are so many beautiful moments. I've never jumped out of a plane or climbed Machu Picchu, but I have sat in a pub on an autumnal Sunday afternoon, with the sun streaming through the windows, and laughed and laughed 
with someone I love. Hell is only some other people. Some people are pure heaven, and I've known a few. Ah, I can see John's ancient face wreathed in smiles as he made that wonderful list. Rude things and all. <laughs> Wouldn't like to get inside that particular part of your brain, Mr. Muggins. But seriously, a delightfully itemised counterpoint to my general listlessness. I bet you're also glad you didn't skip straight to my bit. Thanks, John. You're right about Capish's Ariel too. Where was I? Oh yes, but... When things are fun in Joesville, they're fun. And often completely randomly so. I've become obsessed with the most recent thing I've been talking, reading, hearing about. The other morning, for example, on YouTube, it was Spandau Ballet videos. I started to hum to cut a long story short, their uh, debut hit from 1981. It goes something like... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, if you don't know it from that, then hey, you need your ears scrubbed out. Next thing you know... I was glitter balls deep in Spandau Ballet 80s videos. Spandau Ballet Helven, you might say. That's a conflation of hell and heaven, by the way. The best of both worlds. The buffoonish Essex boys in tartan and ballet pumps. Tony Hadley looking wildly non-Scotch gauche, whilst also singularly capable of selling you a second-hand motor in the forecourt after the recording session. Happiness. Happiness to me is pressure. The demand to audit, take stock and report in a moment, every moment. And I must admit, it's entirely to my discredit that lots of my true happiness comes from gleaning approval or besting someone on social media. I blame lockdown for aggravating this unappealing state of affairs. And I'm looking forward post lockdown to going back to gleaning approval at the expense of others in the more wholesome, old fashioned environment of the public house. Ah, things were simpler back then. Happiness, as I mentioned earlier, I think, to me also is drinking. This is why I try and pace my drinking throughout my lockdown week. Who wants to feel happy all of the time? There's nothing more misery inducing than a permanent state of bliss. But being drunk also enables me to stop worrying about the million tiny flies of buzzing concern that aggravate my usual waking existence. I've also found stabs of what might be termed pleasure with family during lockdown. They've become important in strange and unexpected ways. And specifically, our WhatsApp family group has become an ongoing telegraph of morale-boosting joy. And lots of gossiping as well, which is always a family staple around our way. Now, as I've probably intimated earlier, the problem with my own particular experience of happiness is that my grasp of it is ephemeral. It's hard for me to get a handle on. Other people tell me about the joy of contentment, comfort, reassurance, consistency, small things. This all blows my mind. It all seems to me like a protracted exercise in marking time, interspersed by tiny rewards. Maybe that's why I'm disastrous at relationships, because I'd rather be playing Spandau Ballet videos while snacking Quantro straight from the bottle, shouting about politics until six on a Sunday morning. And that, to be fair, is not everyone's idea of a bedrock for stability or indeed long-term happiness. It's to do, of course, with lack of focus. And again, alcohol, for the third time he calls its name, alcohol helps with that. 
Heck, I've been known to experience waves of well-being discharged through that warm, woozy battery of booze. This is just the fuel for an evening's ID fix. ID fix? Idea fixy? Delete as appropriate. And my gosh, Martin Kemp was handsome in those Spandau Ballet videos, wasn't he? Once, when my father had returned from one of his numerous trips to Pakistan and the whole family was gathered together, I want to know what Love Is by Foreigner was playing on the radio. And I only get the irony of that now. <laughs> anyway, I overheard my mother say to no one in particular, I think I know what love is now. And she was beaming from ear to ear. I remember that mortifying, gauche, spontaneous splurge of her spontaneous happiness. It seemed and was embarrassing to me, like leaving the house having forgotten to put on your trousers or some such. I myself don't recollect feeling the happiness of that moment, mainly because I probably wasn't feeling the happiness of that moment. This is what I'm trying to say, guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a monster. I'm not even a cold fish. Much. It's just that I can't seem to get my membership stamped for the club. Now, don't get me wrong, I do not begrudge anybody else their happiness. Life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness are things that are good. If there's one thing the slave-owning, wife-beating, worker-bashing, founding fathers of the USA have made clear to us over the years, it's that. And as for my own pursuit of happiness, sure, I'll saddle up, blow the horn, summon the hounds of love, or diamond dogs, or whichever canine-related pop reference might be on hand to help me in this grand mixed metaphor of a hunt. But the closer I've got to happiness, chased the fucker down to a clearing in the dark woods after many miles of pursuit when I could smell the fear of happiness and I went in for the kill, that fucker would dematerialise, leaving me grasping at air alone in the woods with nothing but a bunch of baying metaphorical beagles for company. Deploying much the same tactics I used with girls when I was younger and surprisingly shy, I've come to the conclusion that my best bet is playing it cool with happiness. Let happiness clock me from across the bar. Let its curiosity get the better of it. Let happiness instigate proceedings. Beguiled by my sexy snare of aloofness. Okay, so this didn't particularly work with girls. But happiness, I know you're interested. We both can't keep playing hard to get now, can we? Hello? Happiness? Hello? 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 Happiness, happiness, the greatest gift that we possess. Not my words, but the words of tax-averse Shakespearean fool Ken Dodd. His dad loved that dog more than Ken, you know. So Ken was happy when it died. And that's happiness for you right there. It's quicksilver in the palm. It's a tenor in the jeans pocket. It's the flimsy piece of guttering when you're falling from the roof of your house. 
it is forever out of reach. Ask Rod Hull about happiness. You can't. He fell off his roof. He died. Is he happy? On balance, probably not. Happiness, like pain, is difficult to remember when it's not happening to you right now. Or is it? Am I actually thinking of bliss? Is happiness actually the levelling of these two extremes, the connective tissue between joy and pain? Is happiness, as Derek Small so eloquently put it, the lukewarm water between fire and ice? And if it is, is that so bad? Is happiness actually all right? If you'd asked a young John Patrick Higgins, whip it thin and with hair like surfs up in an oil slick, what he thought about sappy old happiness, he would have poo-pooed the idea. Happiness sounded like a booby prize, a wooden spoon. It was third on the podium after death and glory had picked up the gold and silver gongs. That central path is always suspicious to a younger man, despite the fact that at the time I lived in my parents' attic and my greatest indulgence was Bobby's cheese curls. Still is. That, by the way, is a corn snack treat. It's not the cheesy curls of a man named Bobby. I had romantic designs on the world. I was going to be a painter lashed to the mast like Turner in a tumult. Or a rock star, vomiting up a heroin smoothie onto the bare legs of someone I didn't know in a Marriott Hotel supplies cupboard. There was precious little use for happiness in the stark and dangerous life that I predicted for myself. It would be a precarious and high-risk effort, chancing all for hazard. It didn't really work out like that. My bands imploded and I was a rubbish painter. I moved to London and I got a job and my hair went grey. I discovered an aptitude for drinking. I grew to crave scraps of happiness the way David Walliams craves children's pocket money. And at this point, he might as well bully them out of their lunch money with a protractor in the school bus queue. Nowadays, I believe happiness is an achievable superpower. It allows you to wander through life kicking against the pricks instead of snagging on each one and tearing your anorak. As someone who is prone to periods of being a bit fed up, sometimes even clinically so, peaks and troughs of excitement are to be avoided. That grassy plateau between the mountain and the valley, the one that's catching the sun and has pleasant little bluebell knolls and nice little pubs that only have a couple of wankers in them. It's dog friendly, so you know. Well, it's starting to look pretty good. I could focus on my ailing or ailed career, my ailing health or my ailing generally. I could fix upon the primal trauma of catching my reflection on any surface and knowing exactly how Dracula feels in the last few frames of every one of his films. I could look at my bank balance, although doing so is genuinely tantamount to self-harm. In fact, every time I think about looking into my account, I stub a cigarette out in the palm of my hand. I don't smoke cigarettes, of course. It's bad for you. Instead, I count my blessings. I have a roof over my head. I get to eat food each day. I'm not in pain all the time. I'm still largely the same shape as a man, even if increasingly that man is Bob Hoskins. I still have hair. Pretty much everywhere now, but gratifyingly, some of it is still on my head. And I have a remarkable and beautiful girlfriend, 
which is the real reason I'm not hanging from the rafters. There's only so much happy your own hair can grant you. Those are my musings on happiness, but don't listen to me, a loser you've never heard of. Listen to these cool pop stars instead. Talk, talk, sang. Happiness is easy. Easy for them to say. I've scoured the lyrics of Mark Hollis's methodology, but it doesn't seem to show his working. And he sounds ruddy miserable singing too. But then he always does. John Lennon wrote, Happiness is a warm gun. He would probably have appreciated the irony on that cold December morning outside the Dakota building, albeit briefly. The Beloved wrote an entire album called Happiness and later got to see Tess Daly in the nip. But did it make them happy? It could have been Bruce Forsyth, so they dodged a bullet there. A bullet in a wig. In The Smiths, Morrissey sang, I've come to wish you an unhappy birthday, which at the time we assume was addressed to Maxi Priest or the Chinese people, but lately seems to be addressed to anyone who ever bought a record he sang on between 1983 and 1993. It's not just an annual treat either. Morrissey is a gift that keeps on taking. Quoting dear dead Ken Dodd, I thank the Lord that I possess more than my fair share of happiness. Though I'm not sure I have the appropriate storage. I should probably give some away. Yeah, right. Well, I think if there's one thing we've learned from this edition of Stalemates is that happiness is most definitely not easy. Where was your head at there, Mark Hollis? Much lamented, of course. Thanks, John, for a wonderfully entertaining and uh, thoughtful rumination on the nature of happiness and from whence it comes. And yes, you did have to point out you had all of your own hair. You. So from a slightly lesser suit individual, uh, I'd just like to sign off. And like John's beleaguered bank accounts, this edition of Stalemates on Happiness is now spent thoroughly, I think. Thank you for listening, as ever, uh, all you wonderful people. And I'd like to think there is more than one of you out there. If you are listening, please do subscribe. Follow us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And hopefully we'll be going on to Spotify soon. But uh, do give us a follow. Our egos, if nothing else, will thank you. Um, it's nice to be followed. And tune in for our next edition of Stalemates, when, who knows, maybe Johnny Muggins and myself will be in the same room. I wouldn't hold my breath, but it's hard to say, as the lockdown rules become increasingly like a drinking game that's had loads of extra bits added on since the original clear, hard set of rules were first laid down. Um, I'm off to take a couple of shots of tequila whilst trying to say the word banana backwards three times, whilst also dipping my snout in the trough of unadulterated bliss that... I call afternoon napping. Until next time, lovely people, take care. And remember, if you can't be happy, fake it. And if you can't fake it, for God's sake, be happy. Kiss, kiss. See you all real soon. And now, please be upstanding for the national anthem. And God save these queens. You try me once, you make full moon.